unexpected pleasure. We're honored by your presence. Yo, G, I'll be there to see why your homies ain't working their booties off. I assure you, Lord Faber, my men are working as fast as they can. We be seeing if they get this ride going with six foot seven of black staring down. I tell you, this station will be operational as Well, the man don't think so, and he be cruising down here to check out this ride. The Empress coming here? Yeah, and he gonna put a cap in your white ass. We shall double our efforts. Damn straight. And remember, this be CNN. Good afternoon, this is 90.7 FM. I'm Franklin, and this is Berkeley Grox. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. I'm Charles Lee. And I'm Gordon Campbell. Coming up on today's show, Pong, Plastic, and Pleasure. Also joining us today is Steve Nadell to talk about energy efficiency. We're going to find out why trees have rings. So stay tuned for all of this, plus the world-famous Question of the Week, right here on Berkeley Grox. I'm Franklin. And I guess that makes me Charles Lee. And I'm Gordon Campbell. So how's everyone doing? Ooh, I feel an extra special spicy this week. Is that me the too. aftertaste <laughs> of the Republican National Convention? Oh, no, I think that, that turned my stomach a little sour. So. <laughs> Sorry, George. <laughs> Not that I have anything against George Bush. I just have a lot of things against him. <laughs> but to uh, switch the topic, what's your favorite video game of all time? Space Invaders. Asteroids? How about Pong? Yeah, you're wow. ultra classic today, huh? <laughs> it's a game which you now you can play just by using your brain. By using your brain. So researchers have actually used uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging (fMRI) mm-hmm. to allow people who are in these scanners to uh, control a pong game using the uh, scans of their brain. Wow! So like you you think about the movement of your paddle and it moves it along moves with it that. For you. Right. So as you're thinking about it, paddle will move on the screen. I suppose you have to train the computer to recognize your brain signals. Right? Eventually, yes. So apparently, researchers have done this before using uh, EEG signals mm-hmm. to learn how to control these panels, but apparently they say that the fMRI signal is a lot more refined and they can get more data out of it, and so it's easier for individuals to actually learn how to control a paddle using this technique. Wow, so you can actually calibrate, so like you're imagining yourself you know, making a left turn or right turn while you're driving to control the paddles as well, huh? I don't think I'd want to use it for driving. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it'd be kind of tough getting one of those uh, strapped onto your car, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> getting the whole fMRI stuck in the car. <laughs> but they're suggesting that, in fact, this, uh, this is an advance because it could lead to the development of devices for paraplegics so that they can like, uh, read off signals to control prosthetic limbs or things like that. What about lie detection? Probably not necessarily uh, the same thing, but maybe they, yeah, could, uh, yeah, they could learn how to do that as well. But yeah, so it's quite fascinating work, and I guess look for that the next time you're in the arcade. <laughs> Jack into the Matrix. That's right. <laughs> So guys, do you consider yourself to have a magnetic personality? Uh, Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little repulsed here. I, I certainly don't. <laughs> Positive or negative? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it turns out some scientists have developed plastics or polymers that could potentially be uh, magnets. Kind of interesting because I thought plastics didn't have the sort of paramagnetic... It shouldn't, but they've developed this composite, a polyamylin-based polymer, and it has the affinity to produce radicals within the chains, and usually electrons in nature are paired up, so it's an and down spin, and as a result, there's no magnetic field. But when you have one spin, a so-called radical, it can have orientation in which it produces the magnetic field. Suppose you can create a multitude of these radicals within your polymer chain and line up. Mm. You start an aggregate magnetic field. So, I mean, do they stay uh, lined up, or does the magnetism of the uh, material decay very rapidly? In fact, it seems the opposite happens. Over time, they seem to align better and better, and huh. the magnetic field becomes stronger. Oh, I see. So they probably, like, re yeah. induce itself. Yeah. Anyways, scientists are excited that you can develop next-generation hard drives based on plastic, so you have these data bits, which could be formed from this plastic, and also create devices that's compatible in a human body, some sort of medical device that requires a magnetic field. Anyways, this is really an interesting work carried out by Navid Zaidi and his colleagues at University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and it was reported in a recent edition of New Scientist. So have you ever wondered why it feels good to nudge the kid out of line and cuts in in front of you? I love it just because I'm sadistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, it's actually how humans are wired. We were supposed to give other people pain? Know that we are wired to punish cheaters and to cooperate with each other. Wow. Humans apparently have a sense of fairness that's unrivaled in the animal kingdom. And watching some jerk cut off another car <laughs> on the highway might prompt you to wish the rude driver ill, even if you haven't suffered from their results. I, I thought it gave me the right to uh, blast them with a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do that too. Only if you're in L.A. Then. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'll see if I could relay this experiment to you that's rather complicated. So what they did was two men played a game where player A sat in a brain scanner endowed with some money. And the rules required him to give some or all of the money to player B. The amount quadrupled during the transfer to B. And then B had to decide whether to return half or none back to A. Mm. When an uncooperative B kept the whole wad. A was then given the opportunity to punish B by having the researchers take away some of B's money, any amount that A chose. And what the researchers found, that A levied the, the biggest fines when the punishment didn't cost A anything. But even when the researchers docked A for half the amount of the fine, A still told the researchers to take away half of B's stash on average. So even when it comes to a cost to us, we want to punish the cheater. They found that while A was deciding on a punishment, his caudate nucleus, a brain region that revs up when people feel satisfaction or pleasure got busy. Uh, the, the reward center of the brain. And when A paid to punish, the caudate nucleus 
fired more intensely when A settled on a bigger fine. So we get a little kick every time we see somebody punished for doing wrong. That's right. But I mean, that could just be sort of a learned behavior, right? So you learn to feel good every time somebody is punished, so it might not necessarily be hardwired at birth. Well, that's true. Yeah. But this is why we're in, we're in Iraq for the war, right? <laughs> <laughs> to punish. <Yeah. laughs> well, uh, George Bush's cotton must be lighting up like a storm right now. <laughs> <that's> right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to read more about this, you can look in the 27th of August edition of Science Magazine. All right, how would you feel if I just knocked out your jaw right now? Wow. <laughs> God, that's pretty violent. Yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble controlling my temper recently. <laughs> I can pick one up at Kmart, right? It'll go back. Well, you could at least pick one up at the uh, biosynthetic store. Oh, okay. Uh, because a group of researchers actually uh, developed a method whereby they can regrow a job in your own body. Oh, well, a then go job? ahead and knock mine right out. <laughs> you can knock my whole head off. I've been, I've been thinking I need a new jaw because I'm not really happy with the one I have. <laughs> <laughs> So this was an experiment done with a 56-year-old man who had part of his jawbone removed after a tumor had spread through the area, and they mm-hmm. had to remove it. Uh, what they did is they uh, created a biosynthetic scaffold, right. placed it in the shoulder, uh, spritzed it with some bone morphogenetic protein to help the uh, stuff to grow, and basically they grew a new jaw on the back of his uh, shoulder. Wow. Then they were able to take it out and put it right into his jaw and scaffold it right in. So it just sealed in there, and now he can almost use it for eating? Uh, yeah, he's, he's been able to eat steak, which has already been cut up. What about <laughs> and, teeth? Well, they can manufacture your dentures and things like that I to see. put on top of it. You need that support force or whatever right. to chew on it, right? Right. Before he had nothing. It was just, just had a top jaw and had a nothing top. underneath? Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Not a good look. No, it's certainly not a good look, but it, it's coming back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> In the past, techniques have actually used bone from other parts of the uh, body, but that usually leads to other problems. And so this actually is a big advance if you can actually synthesize a new jaw, mm-hmm. uh, de novo. So can they do it out of the body at some point? Yeah. Well, the idea is to actually have the patient's own cells create the bone system. So right. what happens is the patient's stem cells uh-huh. actually invade the structure and start making the structure. Okay. So this is very fascinating work, and it's published in The Lancet. And that's all for this week's look at current developments in the world of science and technology. This is Berkey Grox you're listening to here on 90.7 FM. In a few moments, Mr. Steve Nadell will join us to talk about energy efficiency. So stay tuned.
Welcome back to Berkeley Rocks. Well, with the rising price of oil these days, energy efficiency is back in the minds of many Americans. Joining us today is Mr. Steve Nadell from the American Council of Energy Efficient Economy. Mr. Nadell, thanks for joining us on Berkeley Rocks today. Glad to be here. So first of all, could you tell us a little bit about your organization, the ACEEE? We're a nonprofit research organization founded in 1980, so we're about 25 years old now. And we do research on programs, policies, and technology. Technologies to uh, save energy in the United States, kind of act as a bridge between the technical people and the people who work on uh, programs, uh, you know, like utilities or uh, policymakers and government. There are a lot of sectors which we can divide our energy uses. Uh, I, I guess the largest one is the transportation. Unfortunately, it seems like the mileage per gallon has not really improved in the last uh, 10 years. Uh, could you tell us what we can do about this? We can uh, certainly improve the uh, automobile fuel economy standards. They've been uh, unchanged since. 1987 for all intents and purposes. So we've stagnated and we can gradually move those up and uh, therefore improve the fuel economy. We can also do a lot to promote the uh, purchase of the higher efficiency vehicles, be it a hybrid vehicle, advanced diesel vehicles, other vehicles, uh, tax credits, education, uh, various types of uh, incentives could be very helpful. So is it more of a technological challenge or is it more of a policy initiative here? It's both. There's uh, rarely silver bullets. You have to try multiple different approaches. So yes, you do some regulation, you do some incentives, you work on improving the technology, you also in transportation work on encouraging people maybe to uh, carpool, uh, live closer to their jobs, uh, you know, drive a little less. It all You need all these things working together to ultimately uh, have a significant impact on our uh, gasoline use and uh, how much we use. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about power generation. It seems like a lot of the efficiencies that we've gained uh, in the last few years is due to better efficiency in the power generation transmission. But at the same time, there has been standards, for example, Energy Star, to uh, improve uh, energy use Within the home, could you tell us what are the you know greatest developments that are occurring today in the in the sector? There's a number of things that come to mind. We have uh, new refrigerators now on the market that use 30% less energy than your uh, typical unit now being sold. And your even your typical unit is much better than the units from uh, several years ago. So refrigerators continue to improve in efficiency. You have uh, better air conditioners. We have new federal air conditioner standards going into effect in a few years that will really bring down the price of the more efficient equipment. There's uh, new developments in uh, uh, developing air conditioners that work better, not so much in the test laboratory, the way they're designed now, but how do you better design air conditioners to work well in people's homes so that could save uh, significant energy. People can uh, seal their ducts, uh, the metal or uh, flexible uh, tubes that carry heated or cooled air around their homes. Uh, there's often a lot of leaks where they join up and there are ways to seal those. Keep the heat or the cool in your home and not leaking to the outside or to your attic or uh, basement. Uh, so lots of uh, new development. How about for lighting? For example, uh, compact fluorescent light bulbs. Uh, I believe right now they're only 2 or 3% of the entire U.S. market despite their many benefits. Uh, what can we do about that? Uh, they have been steadily increasing in market share. Yes, they're a few percent, but they're up quite a bit compared to a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I think we need to continue to work on quality products, make sure they are products that will really last, and bringing down the price. Uh, you can sometimes find products for uh, 3 $4 a piece, and that's uh, great, and we just have to make those more widely available. So what can the U.S. learn from other countries in terms of efficient energy use, say, from uh, Europe or Japan? A couple of things come to mind. Europe, they tend to have higher energy taxes, and they tend to be more efficient. So if we increase our energy taxes, that will probably help some. 
We have to be careful. We need to use the revenue we get from those taxes, both to help further efficiency, but also to help uh, the poor, those on fixed income, so it doesn't uh, hurt them. I think that's some of the lessons from Europe. Japan, they tend to really target the most efficient equipment that they can produce and figure out ways how to make those widespread. And I think there's some useful uh, lessons there. All right, and uh, what should uh, listeners out there do if they want more information on um, making their homes more efficient, uh, products to buy, et cetera? Uh, they can check our website, www.aceee.org. We have information on the most efficient products and lots of other advice for uh, homeowners. Thank you very much. Are there any last comments you'd like to add? It's been great being here, and I encourage you to have other guests to talk about this because we've just uh, kind of touched on the surface of a lot of these topics. Uh, Mr. Nadell, thanks for joining us on Berkeley Rocks today. Thank you. And we were just talking to Mr. Steve Nadell of the ACEEE on American energy efficiency. Uh, for more information about saving power in your home, you can look up their website, www.aceee.org backslash consumer guide. This is Berkeley Rocks you're listening to here on 90.7 FM. Well, a lot of good stuff coming up in a few moments, so keep your dial tuned here on 90.7 FM. Welcome back to Berkeley Crocs. Well, I've always wondered, why do things get so foamy? Well, here's the Everyday Science Lady for this week's Everyday Science. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. Ever wonder what makes root beer so foamy? The answer can be found in Everyday Science. To find out what gives root beer its bubbly personality, let's get to the root of your basic home brewing process. Mmm, this is one interesting concoction. Obviously, there's water in this brew, a little sugar, 
a touch of yeast, and here comes the flavor ingredient, an extract from the root of the sassafras tree. By the way, sometimes sarsaparilla vine extract is used instead. Now, it's all mixed together, poured into a bottle, and packed very tightly to prevent any air from leaking out. Then our little bottle is tilted sideways, and we sit here undisturbed. But if you'll notice, some of the ingredients in this lockup would prefer not to keep to themselves. See how they mix and mingle? Especially the yeast and sugar, which react to form tiny carbon dioxide bubbles. This chemical change caused by yeast is called fermentation. As the mixture ferments, more bubbles form and air pressure begins to build up. If this bottle stayed closed much longer, enzymes in the yeast would also start breaking down the sugar into alcohol. But just in time, after four or five days, the bottle is opened, allowing the bubbles to escape upward and giving our root beer its famous fizz and foam. Thanks for helping us root out the answer to today's question and for being a part of Everyday Science. Everyday Science is part of Bayer Corporation's National Education Program, Making Science Make Sense. Hey, thanks a lot, Everyday Science Lady. And now it's time for this week's technology update. Well, this week we're reviewing a couple pieces of fine software for the Mac OS X platform. And first up is Audio Hijack. So Audio Hijack essentially records audio streams from almost any program on your computer, including protected files from iTunes. So, for example, you're streaming music out to your speakers, but at the same time you want to record it as an unprotected file. Well, Audio Hijack does that by saving it as a WAV file, an AIFF, or even directly as an MP3. And it also lets you record streams from your web browser and also from your DVD player. Uh, next up is Freefall. Uh, this is by Extreme Mac, and it's a satellite simulation program. Very nice model of the Earth, spinning as up to a thousand times the rate at which it normally spins, and you can see all the satellites orbit around the Earth. You can even program the kinds of satellites you'll see, as well as the links they have to Earth, the communication links. Also, Freefall can be used as a screensaver. And finally this week, we have Phone Valet for OS X. It's a hardware-software combination where you can connect your phone line to your computer and essentially have it act as an answering machine, phone relay system, or just simply as a recorder for conversations. And that's all for our look at hardware and software updates this week. And coming up is the Pirate of Middle Earth with the answer to last week's question of the week. Or it's the pirates of Middle Earth looking for the ring to rule them all, and I found them in the trees. <laughs> the gods is very odd. Oh, why are they there in the trees? Well, the xylem and phloem, which carry things all throughout the year, and every year they change and a new structure is found, which is why rings every year to rule them all. <laughs> Forrest here, Forrest, come up with this week's question of the week. You know, I like them apples, especially those Adam apples, but I don't know what they really are. But if you do, you can email us here at grocks at hotmail.com. You won't win anything, but you might just know how to sing. 
And that's all for this week's edition of Berkeley Rocks. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach us by email at grocks at hotmail.com. For Berkeley Grocks, I'm Gordon Campbell. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grocks.net. For Berkeley Grocks, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also stay tuned for more music with your host, Katie.